Hello and welcome to the Be Better Podcast. I'm your host, Clarissa Parody, and here at the Be Better Podcast, we believe that in every area of your life, there is more potential to tap into and that it is completely possible and available for you to get better at virtually everything. So if you want to live a little better, sleep a little better, perform a little better, breathe a little better, this is the place for you. We are so excited to have you join us. It's a great day to change your life. Let's go. Hi, hello, welcome. My name is Clarissa Parody, and this is my podcast. I'm so excited that you are here. We're gonna just dive right in. I wanna tell you a little bit about me, and then we're gonna cover some things I'm really interested in that are gonna set the precedent, set the tone for what I hope will be a lot of fun for hopefully all of us, and that we'll walk away knowing ourselves or something about the world a little bit better. I started this, I thought about this, I brainstormed it, I delayed myself, I did that miss perfect procrastination thing that I sometimes do. And I was like, what is this going to be? What is it? Like, I want to know. And the truth is you don't know because there's very few things in life that are certain. And that was like the first, I was like, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about certainty. So certainty, what the heck is certainty? It's, it's a sense of knowingness, a sense that you're assured, you are clear it is going to happen. And there are very few things in life that I am actually certain about that I'm completely certain about. I will say I am certain, but do I actually know with 100% certainty that it is going to unfold, that it is going to happen? No. There, the only thing I know that's most likely true is I'm going to die. That is, <laughs> that is one thing I know I have seen happen on repeat. The rest of it is kind of negotiable. In the world of certainty, we actually have access to the, the knowing of most things being uncertain. And when we can really grasp that uncertainty is constantly present, we're going to kind of loosen the reins on our incessant need to control. If you need a refresher, the last two years have been up, down, left, right changes to mandates, legislations, all these sorts of things. And, you know, we're, we're like two weeks to do this eight months to do this once we have this particular treatment. And the truth is we're, we, we're, we, we always thought we were certain. We always thought there's an answer. And look where we are. <laughs> like we're not certain. And so I think letting go, I know, letting go of the need for certainty, the desire for certainty can actually open up this whole other reality for us in the world of uncertainty. And what does uncertainty give us access to when we're like, huh, like, I'm going to stay a little bit curious. I'm not going to stay tied to my cognitive paradigm, my way of understanding the world, my way of thinking, believing, being, and I'm going to be open to something else. What's available? Well, possibility. And in my world, possibility really aligns itself beautifully with potential because the possibilities are endless. And when you tap into a possibility, you're going to start filling your potential in a whole new way. My life's purpose, like when I feel most alive, when I feel most connected, when I feel most fulfilled, satisfied, and and with explosive joy, is when I'm able to be a space of possibility for others, where we can tap in and tune in to potential. What could be there? And then we turn it on, we flick that switch, we amp it up. So we can do great things and have these remarkable and extraordinary experiences and have results that blow our own damn mind. And we're doing it because we're being open to potential. We're being curious. We are being available for new possibilities, new solutions, new ways of thinking or being. And the results are endless. Like you could really have anything that you want. 
you could really have outcomes you didn't even know were possible. I mean, when's the last time you really discovered how fast you could run? You trained, you trained, you trained like an athlete, pick your sprint, maybe your 200 meter kind of person, and you actually trained for it to see how fast you could go. I literally have never done that. I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know how high I could actually sing. I have no idea. I also don't know how low. There are just so many things I don't know. I, I know I haven't maxed it out. I know I haven't realized my full potential. And there's so many areas of in life where that doesn't happen. And there are going to be areas in life that you're actually passionate about, that you're actually curious about, that you want to endeavor more into, but you haven't even looked at what you're leaving on the table. You're settling for the 50% that you're at. And you don't even know you're settling because you haven't even asked yourself, is there a bigger, better possibility? Sound familiar? I feel like I'm talking to me specifically, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be someone else listening that's in that space too. So you've assumed, or I've assumed, that all I can have is what I currently have, that all I can get. But is that actually true? No. And I'm not specifically talking about material things. Pick anything. Do I actually know how many peas I can grow or how abundant I can create a garden and I don't I haven't tapped that out and there's all these different areas in life where we haven't really looked at what's possible for the potential and when we do that we don't know who we could become over the last five-ish years I've done enough one or two percent shifts two degree shifts where in so many ways I am unrecognizable to me. And people who would know me five years ago, if they had, if they were to meet me now, they might look at me and say, what? What do you mean you don't eat that? What do you mean you don't drink that? What do you mean you wouldn't watch that or read that? Because I have completely shifted by doing these tiny incremental changes, getting 1% different or better, what I perceive to be better, so that I can have more of what is already on the table and available to me. You know, if you're each given a table in your life full of everything you could ever have, do, want, be, think, feel, experience, and you looked at it and you're like, I'm only just going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to restrict myself and I'm only going to take one or two things. You're, you're, there's still other things that are available for you. They don't expire. They don't rot. We have seen people who have never done gymnastics go back and do that. So when we, when a lot of us, like I would have assumed if I didn't start that kind of sport at a young age, I would never be able to master it. Now, mastery, there's a study saying that it can take up to 10,000 hours, like 10,000 hours and you've got mastery. Uh, But what does it take to be good at it? Or what does it take to get a little bit better? What does it take to get a little bit better? Sometimes a one-time learning experience, sometimes one class, sometimes a few weeks of repetitive immersion or exposure, and you can shift your trajectory. You could totally become unrecognizable to you and and the you a year from now, a week from now could be like, oh my word, I can't believe ever in, in a past version of me, that's how I thought. That's how I thought. So I truly believe we can get more out of life. What if you breathed a little better? What if you slept a little better? What if you had better KPIs in your business by just this much, just a smidge bit? 
What if you loved your jobs or work a little more? What if you grew plants a little better? What if you raised your children a little better? What if you were able to take risks a little better? I've noticed there's been a shift in risk. We chase safety. A lot of us chase safety. And I mean, some people have no sense of mortality, but there's a lot of us that are very risk averse. And we weigh it all out and we take a calculated risk. But in the world of uncertainty, certainty, you actually you actually don't know. Your calculated risk could be driving to work and something could go sideways. Your calculated risk could be buying that one chocolate bar and it has the golden ticket in it. Like you don't know. You don't know what's going to unfold. So what if we had a little more faith and stayed in the space of curiosity to be available for what's possible, what's already on the table, so that we can get a little more of what's already given to us? If we all have this little table of all of the things that are available to us, it's imaginary, it's a concept, just roll with it. If you had that, just because you didn't take one thing off of your own table doesn't mean someone else is going to get it. It means you left it on your table. It means you left it on your table. And that doesn't always benefit someone else. I grew up in a family where my parents, specifically my father, (laughs) believed in healthy competition. Now, his version of healthy competition was not how I experienced healthy competition. Uh, There was four of us. You'd come in places. Someone was always better than it. I developed the paradigm the learning, the understanding that someone wins and everybody else loses. So if one person got one thing, nobody else did for whatever reason. So for example, the quiet game. You guys, it's not a game. It's joke. It's it's genius, but it's also not that fun. Imagine four girls in a car. My dad's probably like, they are all talking. And so the quiet game came to be, it's like whoever is the quietest the whole way home will get a dollar. And that was big money back then. (laughs) So, you know, you'd try so hard and the outcome would be one person would get it and no one else would. So my understanding of life, the way I started engaging and interacting with the world was that one person could have it and other people wouldn't. And I didn't understand that it's possible for all of us to get a dollar in some way, shape or form. Or it's if you wanted to go to, let's say you wanted to really travel and you're like, oh man, I can't wait to get to Croatia. That is the destination. Well, if I go to Croatia, it certainly doesn't mean that you can't. That's ridiculous. There's another plane. Get a ticket. There's the same plane. Sit by me. It's available. So looking at your table as yours, as what has been given to you, as what is available to you, just because you have something doesn't mean you are not allowing someone else to have it. There's endless opportunities. There's endless abundance. And there's stuff to pick from, you know? Like, it, don't, don't shortchange yourself. Don't shortchange yourself. If you're in a space right now where you're walking through a valley of life, I know in my darkest times, oh my God, it was so brutal. I could not hear a solution to save my life. There was, there was nothing out there. Everything that was suggested, provided for, uh, 
graciously placed before me. I wasn't even available to recognize or see it. I was in a valley and I just, my vision, my lens at that time was like, nothing works. Even if I try, it's not going to work. So why bother? Why bother? Let me tell you, you do nothing, you get nothing. Like it is, you'll get what you, you'll get the result, right? You'll, you'll get the result. If you don't run, you're not necessarily highly unlikely for you to become a better runner. So rather than taking any opportunity, I took no opportunities at the risk that it's not going to work out because I had a belief of mindset the cognitive fixation on the thought that it doesn't matter. It's not going to work out. When I discovered that I was the creator of my circumstances, that I had a say in how it went, I could be cause in the matter, the trajectory of my life completely shifted. All of a sudden, rather than nothing will work, I thought there's always a solution. I just... It'll come to me. It'll be shown to me. I, I will be available for it. But when you're sitting there with your arms crossed and a furrowed brow and you're like, no. Well, that's not a easy way to solve problems now, is it? You, you can have things work out. And for a lot of my life, I still, even to this day, work just flows for me. Like it just comes to me. And I assumed I was just lucky. I was sometimes just lucky. It had nothing to do with that I worked really hard, that I delivered on my services, that when people gave me a job, I made sure I did what they asked for and beyond. It had nothing to do with that. I was just lucky. And then I realized, well, yeah, the opportunities are amazing, of course. And who I am being, how I am showing up, influences the outcome, influences what I get. So if I took that and applied it to other areas of my life, How would I change my behavior? Who would I start showing up as? And what would become available to me? When you change how you show up as, your potential shifts. Have you ever like been on a date with someone or in a conversation with someone? Maybe it's a colleague, maybe it's your son or daughter, maybe it's your partner, and they just have the worst attitude. Or maybe they're really hungry and no food is good food at this point because it's just too far gone. There is no, there is no possibility there. Everything's a no. Everything's a, everything's a no. But when someone's like open to a suggestion, open to a new idea, what happens? Action can flow. Things can move. Results are gotten. And I'm talking about maybe you just decide, you know, Chipotle is the way to go tonight and I am excited about it. It just changes something. It changes the potential, changes the trajectory of life. Just things to think about. Just things to think about. So going back to potential and maxing it out and leaving things on the table and not uh, max, not discovering where your top is. There are, few, there are very few areas where there's a top to the mountain called life. Like there's always something more to discover, always something more to learn, always something more to love. And when we disconnect from life, from what lays before us, from what is right in front of us and we can't even see, you're missing out on the goodness that already exists, on the greatness that already exists, on the extraordinary and the remarkable that already exists. Consider 
that you have more to experience. You can you can reach a peak, you can a new peak that you didn't even know was a peak and you can have that much more. I, what I want for the world, what I want for you is I want you to be like, oh my God, thank goodness I tried that. Thank God. I can't believe this was available to me. I am, you might even say, I'm so lucky. Wow, I didn't know that was possible. That's what the goal of this podcast is, is to open our eyes to set a new way of seeing things. Asking ourselves, how else can we see this? So that you're available for things that are great. In what areas of life are you wanting to know what you could really do or achieve or who you could really be? What areas haven't you explored yet? What areas have you sort of explored but kind of left? You're like, oh, I just don't know. And I'm not talking about the areas you give zero poops about. Okay, you don't want to be an Excel whiz. I have no Microsoft Excel goals for them, I don't think. There's nothing. I like other people doing them. <laughs> Someone else make the spreadsheet work. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't want you to, I don't want you to give up or like force yourself to max out potential on things you're not naturally inclined to. I'm, I'm talking about your desires or safe guidance. Pursue those things. Figure it out. Figure it out. Have fun while you're doing it. What would be fun or exciting to experience, to try, to have, to be? What, what would be fun? You know, I think fun has been given a bad name. I was in a position and I was very young. Looking back at the time, I thought I was not young. But at the time, I was very young and I had been given an immense amount of responsibility. And you know, according to the KPIs, I was doing a good job. I was checking the boxes. I actually was surprised. <laughs> I was like, this is an entirely new industry. Wow. And I can remember going in for my performance review and this particular supervisor that I had, um, can't say I was her cup of tea. You know, I'm not for everyone. That's okay. But I was definitely not her cup of tea. And she said to me, you know, Clarissa, you'd be way more credible if you were less positive. I'm what? You're too positive. You have no credibility. Okay. That is very interesting feedback. Yeah. You're just a little too happy. Hmm. You know, people spend their lives chasing happiness and it like lucky for me, it kind of comes <laughs> with the package. I I find things, a lot of things naturally joyful and life-giving. And because I had fun with what I was doing and because I was happy and cheerful and joyful and positive, her lens of me is that I was lacking credibility. Now, is that true? Or was perhaps my way of being just really uncomfortable for her. That could have also been true. However, I was young and I decided I must be less positive. I must have less fun at work. I must not be excited when I come here. I will suit up. I will get focused um, in a different way where I'm a little more stern. Fast forward 12 months. 
my next performance review. And this sticks because I could not believe this is what happened. My boss said to me, you know, you used to be more positive. What happened? I am sorry. What? I don't understand. Uh, And then it became like, it's a thing. And so what I realized is that the outside world will really try to tell you who the hell to be. We'll tell you how to show up, how to create success, how to create results. And you have already been given the version of you that came that was like, there's probably things that are always, have always been true about you or almost always true about you. For me, I love, I'm a helper. I love helping. I've loved helping since forever. Uh, I, I probably would have helped my mom feed me as like an infant if I was able. It's just a thing I love to do. I also love having fun. And I love connection. I love people. And even though other areas of my life I'm unrecognizable and I've changed and I've shifted, evolved, grown, what have you. Those three things have remained tremendously constant. However, when I stifled the fun part of me, the self-expressed part of me, the part of me that was like, we can get this done and have a good time. You know what happened? (laughs) My performance suffered. I was less creative. I was still getting results. I was still hitting the KPIs. Enrollment engagement with my team was less than it was before. People were wondering what happened. Did I stop liking my job? And I stifled who I was to conform to someone else's beliefs of who I should be. And by virtue of that, limited my potential in those areas. Needless to say, that job's gone. I no longer work there. (laughs) And I've recommitted to fun in the last seven years have been about, I can do great work and have a lot of fun. And when I'm that way, when I am that person, more of my potential is available to me. So the question I want you to ask yourself is, What version of me usually gets the best results? Is it when I'm in connection? Is it when I have like a lot of type two fun where I know I'm working really hard towards a challenge? Is it when I feel like I'm part of, I feel like I belong? Is it when I feel a sense of love or joy? There are tons of value words that you might land with that might resonate with you. And when you can really define and connect with those particular words and you can define them for what they mean for you, why they are important to you and what you're going to do about it, your life's going to change. Your life's going to change. That is actually an exercise I do with a lot of my clients. I had a workshop over the weekend and the group was outstanding. And, you know, you know you. You've lived with you for most of your life. However, when you take a minute or 30 to go a little deeper, you can find inner jet fuel and have things all of a sudden make sense. And it will forever shift who you are. It's incredible. It's incredible. Okay. So the other thing that's available when you're in that space of curiosity, that space of I'm okay with uncertainty, I'm open to possibility and potential, 
is that you're going to allow yourself to flex that imagination muscle. So we talked about the things that you might want to experience, that you might want to be, that you might want to do, that you might want to have. And all of those things, you don't even know what they are yet. Again, that table that you picked your things off of, there's still stuff on it. And there might be stuff you haven't even looked. Maybe there's stuff under other things. Who knows? So how do we get there? We have to start by practicing flexing that imagination muscle and staying in the world of uncertainty, the staying in the world of curiosity and possibility, like what else is possible? How else can I see this? What could I want? Is where we can start flexing that imagination muscle. And sometimes we sit there and nothing comes. Zero things come to mind. And that's perfect. (laughs) There is a study on boredom. It was done a while back and They were talking about how children who don't get bored have seemingly less creativity. They're less imaginative. And I looked at my life and I'm like, oh my word. (laughs) Oh my word. Am I ever bored? Do I ever not have some sort of stimulation happening? I am forever learning. I'm forever listening. I'm forever creating. But Am I totally tapped in, tuned in? Or, you know, sometimes I do that numbing scroll thing where I don't even know if I look at anything. I just scroll. It's mindless. And I don't always give myself space or time to be bored. Now, what boredom does is it gives you, it can kind of give you a restlessness and then you, like your body wants to move or your brain wants to move or you can kind of, maybe you'll have aggression come up or frustration come up. And they did this with children and kids who were left to boredom eventually created something to do. They literally invented new games, created rules, how they were going to interact. And I I was looking back at some of the things we did as kids. I don't know if any of you have experienced this, but we had video games as children. Um, It was a Super Nintendo. It was really rad. But I would get lost in that thing for hours. Tetris, I was a goner. I just loved putting pieces together and making it all fit. Especially when you can have that one column on the side and stick that one long piece and it just blasted out 10 rows. Oh, that felt like achievement. But what was it really achieving? Not a whole lot. Um, Maybe, maybe some puzzle skills. Maybe. Needless to say, I can remember my mom being like, that's enough. You girls get out of the house, go outside go play and we'd be upset. There would be serious upsetness and we would hate my mom. We'd complain about my mom. She's just the worst. She took away the Nintendo. She sent us outside and it wouldn't take very long before that frustration, that complaining, that blaming. Do any of these sound familiar? Do we do this in our grown-up lives too? I think so. There's areas that we do this for sure. Then all of a sudden we're like, oh, wait, hold up. There's a stick. We created a stick game. We found toys that were originally boring and we made them into something. We would write songs. There was, it just opened up space to do other things. And so rather than being fixated and that gamification, we know there's some addictive properties with dopamine and creating like incremental success. It's very effective at training military for those of you who are curious. However, it's not effective for creating diverse thought and ideas. And so that imagination muscle can really come from boredom. I took out, took on 
meditation and silence and stillness this year. I wasn't really sure that was going to pan out. I'm not known for being still, nor am I known for being quiet. And I was like, what's going to even happen? Like, how do you even meditate? Like, just focus on your breath. What does that even mean? Does that mean I'm like, I am inhaling. I am exhaling. I am... Anyways, I got through it. I figured out how my version of meditating occurs. And I used to want sound. I used to want sound. And at some point, it felt like the sound was in the way of the space, of the, of the clearing of my thoughts, of the stillness. I was like, this is obfuscating what I want. It's not what I want. It's, it's obscuring it. I don't want it. It's, it's clouding what I'm looking for. And when I got to the space of, of stillness, thoughts could come ideas could come and I could let them float on by and come back. But that stillness and that space really gave me a chance to have things just come to me, which is like your subconscious imagination in my world. So enjoy that. The other thing that I want to circle back to is how when we were bored, we went outside. My mom said, go play. And we're like, thanks for nothing. This is boring and there's nothing to do. We can't play. And realizing the importance of play, that there's significance to play. I'm going to read you the definition of play, the verb. To engage in activity for enjoyment and recreation rather than a serious or practical purpose or to take part in. That's fascinating. Now, I don't love this definition of play. I would definitely change it. I believe that play can be quite purposeful and practical. When you play, what becomes available to you? You're you're you kind of allow yourself to slip into a different way and things be, can become things that they are not. So you get to see things differently. You get to practice looking at things anew. You can have fun, be free-spirited. You're not clouded by necessarily your pretenses. You get to build off someone else or perhaps up just whatever you're going through. Maybe you're writing, maybe you're playing, maybe you're doing, you're, maybe you're dancing, whatever it is. But it allows us access to another part of ourselves. Play and potential are completely intertwined in so many ways. Play for me sometimes just means give it a try. Like test it out, play with it. Go play with it. See what happens. So what if we tested it out and try things on together? So what if we combine plain possibility? You could also combine what is fun and challenging. What will become available to us? When I'm in a space of play or uh, participation, enjoyment, curiosity, exploration, you know what I'm not preoccupied with? The outcome. I'm not sitting there worried about the end result. How many times do we get so tied into the end result that we're not available to the many pathways, ideas, options that are present right now? I try things I normally wouldn't try. Ideas that normally wouldn't stick. We blue sky it. We blue ocean it. We just, whatever is available, whatever drops in, try it on as if it's a possibility, as if it's, it could actually be real. I actually, uh, in the world of doing things publicly and, and brainstorming and exploring and playing. You know what I don't love or didn't love was playing golf. You know, there are very few things in life that I can find 
less enjoyable than publicly humiliating myself in front of other people who are specifically watching what I'm doing in that moment. So golf and bowling were awful. Oh my God, if you were my teacher in junior high or elementary, I am so sorry because every time I missed bowling class, it was definitely not because I was sick. It was because I was not coming and I made the decision. And if I had to make myself sick, I would do it. I hated failing publicly. I had a story around it. Stories around failure are going to keep us doing the same things we've already done, getting about the same amount of results we've already had, and won't allow us to level up. That sounds like stagnation to me. You have to drop the BS about failing and try new things. What if you? What if it was get a tip? Now I love golf. Bowling, I don't know. I haven't tried it recently. But now I love golf. And I, I go with people and it's fun. And I learn something every time I go. And rather than worrying about how much, you know, I slice, I eventually learn how to correct. And it's that repeated practice. It's the opportunity to be social. And I'm not living out something that is destructive. I'm literally opening myself to new ways of being reconnecting with my physical body so that I can use it in a way that does something different. And golf is one of those things that you learn like a two millimeter shift can completely change where your ball goes. It's a friendly reminder. There's lots of life lessons in the world of golf. And what if we started playing with other things rather than like the spectator sports that can be wildly humiliating for me? What if we tried new messaging with our businesses? What if we tested something out? You know, you can collectively agree on the inside of your business or collectively agree with yourself and your mom that your new tagline is extraordinary. But that's what you think. Is that what your customers think? Is that what your market is calling for? Test it out. Get some information. Play with it. Don't be tied to it getting being perfect. Perfection is something you can eternally chase and never get. You can like I don't if you can ever get there, I'd love to see it. I'd be very impressed. You might even play with trying new jobs, trying new hobbies, maybe hiring outside someone who's outside of the normal qualifications because they they have something really interesting that could be could be great. Like that is okay, so that's an atypical employment background, but how could that serve us? If you look through that lens, you're going to find more gold than you ever thought possible. Because again, you're looking at the table and seeing more of it and not just picking what's familiar. Familiar is, oh, I, we collapse it with meaning we know it, so we trust it. Well, familiar, and that's really why great marketing and branding works in so many ways, but familiar doesn't mean good, doesn't mean trustworthy, it means familiar known, seen before. <laughs> it doesn't mean safe. It doesn't mean reliable. It just means familiar. It just means familiar. When we can escape uh, the, the collapsing of definitions, how many people stay in a relationship or ha- do you know people who have dated the same person in different other, in different bodies? You're like that. You are literally dating the same person over and over again. Well, that person is dating what's familiar. Probably amongst some other things like they it serves their wounds or, you know, that that's how they know and understand love. The outcome is likely going to be the same, right? You date the same kind of person 
I'm sure there's differences between them, but if you date mostly the same kind of person, you're probably going to have a very similar outcome. It's the almost guaranteed predictable future. If you continue down the path that you're continuing on and you keep making the same choices that you continue to make, your almost guaranteed predictable outcome will be that which you already have, the outcomes you are already getting. So it's time to try things new. So what if we try it on play? Play, curiosity, possibility. See what else, what, what else is available? What else could we tap into? What goal could I have? What goal might be fun to have? What job might be fun to have? Perception creates reality. So if we have the lens of perception on, or if we have, well, you always have it on, you are looking through your lens at the world. You're going to see it the way you've seen it before. And so sometimes we need to reframe it, try on something new. And you're like, okay, if I was my sister, maybe my sister who is not at all like me, how would she see this? Okay, what it would, or maybe that's too close to home. How would a pilot look at this? Look at my, like if a pilot was to evaluate the circumstance at work, the strategic decision we're making, the person I'm dating, how would a pilot look at this? And even asking yourself to put, you mean, you may know nothing about being a pilot, but if you ask yourself to look at it differently, who cares if you're actually seeing it like how a pilot would see it or a scuba diver or a ship captain, you're asking yourself to shift the lens and you're giving yourself permission to step away from the person you identify know as you the way you have always been, and you're allowing yourself access to new potential and new possibility. What a fun way to be. Because reality really isn't real. It's real for you. It's real for you. Two people can observe a situation and their realities of the situation are vastly different. I remember this one show. Oh, good old reality television. It was a show about people divorcing. Tragic. It was sad. Uh, Lots of heartbreak uh, for both the families and the kids involved and whatnot. And there was a scene. I think I watched not even an episode of the show. And this husband and wife were arguing. And I'm watching. I'm like, are you, what is happening here? And then they split to the screens where they're individually talking to the camera. And the guy goes, and he's like, she said this, 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 and this. And I'm like, where were you? She did not say that at all. Like, I'm like, am I losing my damn mind? I could be. And then she comes on camera and he said this, 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 and this, and, and why I'm, what, and they talk about their feelings and why they're frustrated. And I, I'm watching her and I'm also confused because that is also not what happened in that conversation. This can happen with scientific data. This can happen with when you're observing something with someone else. It can happen inside the context of a conversation. It can happen with like people just have different understandings of the world. So your perception creates your reality. So reality itself really isn't real. So why not try a new lens on? Your reality is arguably questionable to begin with. <laughs> so at least mine is. And so why not give something else a whirl? Why not see why not see things from a new perspective? One of the greatest exercises I recall doing um, was there's an object that had a lot of dimension to it. And the lady I was working with at the time, she was like, okay, I want you to stand in this corner and tell me what you see. And at the time I'm looking at it and I'm looking at it like this. I'm like, well, I see um, it's white 
It looks like a cup. Uh, it has some scribbles. And then she had me rotate through the room. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at a mug this way. I'm like, oh, well, it has a handle. There's some writing on it. Okay, great. And we look at it this way. And now I, I there's a thing sticking out. There's some scribbles on the side. It still looks like a cup. And the purpose of the exercise was to show that, you know, you're looking, when you look at it from different lenses, it is, it is 100% always this mug. There's no question this is a white mug. It says rain tea and a good book. You know, when there's rain, I sleep. I don't even read. I'm out. I'm, I'm, I don't know if anybody else is like that. However, this white mug has a handle. It is made out of some kind of ceramic. Uh, and it says in script font, rain tea and a good book. My mom bought this for me. But from different angles, we saw different things. However, the reality was available through all angles, all 360 degrees. So consider there are eight-ish billion people on the planet. So there's eight-ish billion realities available because we're all going to see it slightly differently. So if we're going to play in the world of uncertainty, possibility, creation, getting, getting better, having it even be better, maxing it out. Let's try on a new lens. Let's try on a new perspective. Well, that seems like a very natural end to episode one. I'm so glad you joined me. What a time to be alive. The sun is now set. There's a shadow on the painting behind me. And I am thrilled to be on this journey. So let's play in the world of uncertainty. Let's move forward. What you can look forward to in coming episodes are more conversations around getting more out of life. We're going to have some guests. We're going to have some monologues. And most importantly, we are putting your interests at the forefront. So if there is something you want to explore, have talked about, have a lens put on, have a question, you are welcome to submit that. You can submit it to hello at clarissaparity.com. That's H-E-L-L-O at Clarissa, K-L-A-R-I-S-S-A, parody p-a-r-a-d-i-s dot com and you know we're gonna hang out some more so episodes intent are intending to drop weekly <laughs> so let's make that magic happen let's make that magic happen if this has touched moved or inspired you in any way or sounds like it would be relevant to someone that you know please share it leave a review and let's go change the world together have an amazing day wherever you are in the planet. I am grateful that you joined me. 